With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's going on, everybody? Thanks for joining us here on Church of the Corn. We uh, we got a, a fun show tonight, so let's just get right on into it. Drake, what's going on, my friend? How's your weekend been? It's been good, man. Um, currently, literally right now, I am um, researching Powerade flavors for a debate I'm in the middle of. All right. Well, uh, what's the debate? <laughs> uh, what's the best Powerade flavor? Uh, what's uh, what? What are you going with? Or I guess, do you have a top three right now? Well, I I think blue. You know, uh, as Ricky Bobby said, it is hands down far away the best. I guess you can go blue, red, purple, yellow. No, I mean no. Blue, blue is the best. That's that's not up for debate. Uh, there, so, so there was a mystery one that was white that was pretty good. I don't remember if same flavor you, but that was shit was pretty good. But it's yeah, been a white while. cherry. It's so that's what white it was. White cherry. cherry. Yep, that was fabulous. so. I don't know if the current green one is the flavor I'm thinking of, but there was a green Powerade flavor for for a short period of time that was just different and different in a good way it's really good um but i don't think it's the the current one that that they just called melon i think it was like a watermelon with something else and it was so good um and when i just put that into our debate somebody said if you mean specialism retarded then for sure and i'm trying to decide if i want to go back full steam or not i mean it uh, that that's a tough battle to fight on the old power aid debate so i i I don't think you can beat the basics though blue or red no no can't can't go wrong with those two it's blue or orange for me um but orange oh man orange is hit and miss though dude i was gonna say for me it's like if if it's Gatorade, that orange is really good. Orange, orange Powerade, eh? Sometimes. Yeah, because I feel like it's it's the same thing with cherry. It's a delicate line between tastes good and then you give too much cherry, you got cough syrup that makes you want to throw up. Yep. So there's I don't. Or depending on the temperature of the day, depends on how much you like those other flavors. You know, blue's never gonna miss. That's very true. I, it's it's almost like the uh, little push pops that you got too that were all different flavors. Can't go wrong with blue. Nope, not at all. Well, Drake, it, you know we got some bad news this weekend, and we got some good news this weekend. But uh, I guess the bad news is uh, tight end coach Bob Wager no longer at uh, at Nebraska down in Lincoln. Came yep. out. Uh, looks like he resigned his position. I believe it was Friday. Driving. Yep. Friday uh, yep uh, driving offense was was what he said. You know, it's it's never good. Uh, anytime there's there's a DUI or anything like that, and I believe that's what ended up coming out was uh, driving under the influence. So unfortunately, he is no longer at Lincoln. But I, I, you know, I think that says something though about rule. Uh, right off the bat, that accountability, it's one thing he's preached to his players. You're seeing it on his staff, regardless of how close it is to camp or how much that shakes shit up. Uh, yeah. You're seeing accountability on the staff. And to me, that, that that's mm. it's, it's a great sign uh, from, you know, Rule is practicing what he's preaching, which mm-hmm. that's, that's not something we worried about, I don't believe. Yeah, no, for sure. Um and I'll, I'll say this too, like, I'm not, I'm not going to take, I'm not intentionally taking shots here or anything, but is it a big loss at a position coach? 
it's unfortunate being this close to the season before your first season starts. Absolutely. But apart from his own tight end that played for him at his high school, his name really hasn't been attached to a lot of recruits in terms of any part of this roster, not just his room, Um, which I get it. It probably takes a little bit of time to learn how to recruit coming from high school to college. I just don't feel like we have missed anything at this. Like him being gone today, he's probably the the position coach I was most okay with that happening to. I would have been. Obviously, you're not hoping for it. No, I, I totally get that. And then Josh Martin gets elevated uh, from the special teams analyst role in which he was brought on for. Actually, by Wager being you know being let go or resigning, we get a much more seasoned coach um, with, yep. with with Martin coaching eleven seasons in college football. You know, at Texas Tech, he worked on the offense, and that was a lot of his stops had been on the offensive line which I thought was cool that Rule is bringing in another guy with some offensive line connections. But yeah. worked with uh, when he was at SMU for four years, he worked with two guys, put two guys in the NFL, and actually ha- had one guy set multiple records at, at SMU. So I-, I think we're unintentionally getting a step up in the tight end coach room by one guy being let go and another guy stepping up it's it's kind of crazy i can't Mm -hmm. recall a position or you know a time like that where it's really happened it's kind of strange yeah i mean again um i don't know how much he's really done at this point but like i think the only real real loss here looking ahead is just a stronger connection to your texas pipeline well, and, and um, you, but again, your replacement also was at SMU. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't think um, you lose anything, honestly, other than a, a name that was attached to the job. You're st- you're taking a huge step up in experience. You've got a guy that is actually proven at the power fi- or I mean at the division or FBS level, excuse me, because um, I believe SMU is still in the American Conference. But I mean, you've got a guy not, that's now proven. Uh, and, and put guys in the league. So I think it just does nothing but good things for, for Nebraska. Um, yeah, I, just, I don't think he has that that same stranglehold on that potential pipeline that you that that in reality we were hiring Wagger for was, you know, he's been a high school coach down there for over 20 years. He knows everybody. You're not getting that same thing. But beyond that, you're absolutely right. I think I think you've probably upgraded in every other aspect of the coaching world except for maybe wisdom by age mm-hmm. and that 20 year of being in the high school football in texas connection well and could i convince you because someone uh tagged me on on something i think it was on greg smith's uh, post when this all came out um could i convince you that matt rule and dr susan elza are bigger draws to the texas pipeline than Bob Wager was. Can you convince me? Absolutely. Um, I don't think I don't think that's very hard to to make that convincement. It's not a hard sell. I just think that because he was a coach in Texas for so long at the high school level, Wager theoretically should have had a couple more connections than anybody else on the staff has in Texas. And I say should have because I don't know if if he does or not. But that's what you logically for. thinking about it. Yeah, logically thinking about it. There's nobody on this staff that that would have, unless you want to, you know, bring in bring Gary McGuire into this because um, he's a a legacy Texas high school coach, right? Like his dad was a high school coach for a long time. Worked for Rule at Baylor. Now he's the head coach at Texas Tech. Like. Um, I think our one of the one of the latest commitments or latest targets was somebody that his dad wanted at Texas Tech but couldn't make it work for whatever reason and told his son about. And now yeah. I don't remember the whole story, but no, yeah, I, I 
feel like it was a receiver or something like that, but I know exactly what you're talking about. It was kind of a weird uh, connection that they've got. I mean, it's it's cool to see it with, with uh, you know, dad and son, obviously not being in the same conference, but it's still pretty cool to see that those two are yeah. kind of growing into their positions and, and where they're at in life almost together. It's kind of kind of Yeah, different. at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, really cool story. Yeah, it, it was. Uh, it was. Um, I'm not sure if you got a chance to listen to uh, Damon and uh, Matt Rule on the Heard at Seven. I think it's a seven or eight part series that they did. Yeah, I haven't seen any of it yet. I'd highly. It's it's about. Let's see. I got to. I I listened to it while I was mowing on Saturday, so it took me about an hour, hour and a half at most. It is a phenomenal um, breakdown. Just. You don't learn anything that you didn't already know about rule or anything like that. You're not going to figure anything out. It's just uh, it's cool to listen to to someone be genuine as, as the head guy down in Lincoln because mm-hmm. I, I I almost feel like we've gotten away from that the last few yeah. years. It's 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 kind of refreshing to see the human face put on the human or the the head coach down there and. I, man, I feel like a lot of us, myself included, are a lot more beaten down from the frost era than we we realize at this point. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, and not saying what he's saying isn't gold or anything, but every time Matt Rule talks, every time he's in the public eye, you hear the same thing. Oh, man, it's so nice to have an adult in the room, blah, blah, blah. You, I mean, you have the media saying it. Um, we're in the same head Iowa coaches rhetoric. coming out and saying it like when you've got head coaches of, of major programs in, in Omaha, Nebraska saying shit like that, you've got a problem in Lincoln. Yeah. And we're in an Iowa, Nebraska, uh, Twitter group chat together and their fans are saying it like, how can you not like rule this and that? And it's just like, man, were we living with Stockholm syndrome for the last five years? Because. A lot of this stuff he's just saying is normal coach it's, speak. That's the thing is he. I feel like I said this a couple of times when he got hired. Matt Rule is going to do absolutely nothing special his first year here. He's literally just going to do the to do the to do the job of a head coach of a CEO, run his program correctly. You know yeah. he's going to let people do their jobs, and we're going to think that it's it's this amazing thing. No, it's just a dude doing his job. Yeah, no, it, it's wild how little he's doing and how much we are eating it up. Yeah. Uh, um, now, just imagine when they, they start winning down the link and how, how much we're going to eat it up. Oh, my gosh. It's, it's, it's about if to get so cool game this year, fans are going to legitimately call for a statue. Oh, yeah. I mean, at this he point. He gets to a bowl game in year one. <laughs> hey, at this point, uh, that that's all we should hope for at this point is just – Get us to a bowl game. Get the extra 15 practices. Let's what enjoy. do you think? I'm gonna I'm gonna spin this back a little bit. Sorry, the, the light's coming through here. It's eating me up. Um damn that natural light. It just read my eye every time <laughs> I move. Um how big of a problem would it be for rule long term if he just super overachieved this year? And I'm talking like Big Ten championship game overachieved. Like oh, that, that sets shit. up the rest of you, your tenure. If you come out and you go nine and three, ten and two, whatever this year, heading into a Big Ten championship, like we know that sets him up for unrealistic expectations. The amount of irrational right. bullshit that we're all going to say and hear. Will be, will be of levels we've never seen before. Yeah. So let me, let me lay the land here. Nebraska. Paint me a picture. Never been, never been good at basketball. I mean, we had a run in the nineties where we won an NIT championship, made it to the dance a few times. Still, never won a big, uh, big uh, March Madness tournament mm-hmm. game. Right. Everybody knows that. Yep. Year two. Because your team catches fire, goes on this crazy run. You get to the NCAA tournament, get blown out in game one. 
the next two years are about 500. And you have like one other coach in their entire career in the history of the program who went over 500. Mm-hmm. But your next two years are about 500. And you're still at over a 500 winning percentage at the end of year three or year four. Mm-hmm. And you want to fire him because he's not getting. And obviously, I'm laying the land. I'm talking about Tim Miles here. But Nebraska was never good at basketball. He overachieved in year two. And all of a sudden, two years later, we wanted to fire him. We didn't give. And I get I get it. He went for a lot longer. Like, I'm not I'm not di- diving into that debate because you'll get me going forever. But my point is, if we if you live in a world where a coach overachieves for a program that has been very bad forever, what happens if your team has been trying to get to, to the mountaintop for over 20 years after just being on the mountaintop? And you roll in and go ten and two to start your career. They're talking Oof. playoff next year. They oh, they're competing playoffs. Yeah, I would I would have to say that even someone that's rational at that point would have to say, okay, well, and I'm taking some things that Rule has also said into into consideration here. Well, Rule is saying that he feels like this team going into this season's more of a year two team than a year one team. Okay, well, traditionally a year two team for Rule is a Seven and six, you know, somewhere in the about the 500 range. Yeah. So going into year three would be an 11 and two, 10, 10 and three time season. Well, if you take what rule says going into it, okay, so we go 10 and two, year one. Well, next year should be, you know, 12 and one, 13 and oh, like we should be looking at that. Like it does set a very dangerous precedent if that happens. I don't think that does happen, but it does set a very dangerous precedent for Matt Rule's tenure if he came out and won yeah. shit nine games, ten games his first season. Yeah. Could it I happen? Think wins, I think I mean, if he wins some ten one, games. If, oh, yeah. If, if, if it's ten, ten it's, in year two, in year two, it's the same problem. Like, you got to give him four years before you start laying a ten-win demand at his feet. Absolutely, because you've seen that year three, he's done it everywhere he's been. So if you give him till year four or so, and that's the expectation, great. That's what the expectation should be because you've done it before. Now, if you've never done it before, that can't be your expectation. Like a, I'm just going to throw a team out there, a, a UMass team can't expect to go undefeated and get in the playoff because they've never done it before or expect to win a right. national championship at the FBS level. They've never done it before. Nebraska has won a national title. So, in theory, that could be the expectation. Is it right now? No. But that's what expectations were previously, I guess. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, Did you get a chance to watch Crawford last night, Crawford Spence? I did. I did. It was, um, man, watching Crawford fight, it is. That was a master. It's unreal. Um, Smooth. You know. Smooth. Smooth. Super smooth. Never at any point in the night did it look like he was the least bit worried, had any doubt about anything. Um, That was one of the things that I noticed watching him was just anything that Spence threw. uh, Crawford looked uh, not disinterested, but not concerned by it. Knew that wherever he was going to throw that, he was going to beat Spence to the punch. It didn't matter where what they threw. He you know had, what it reminded me had. of? It so much reminded me of McGregor Floyd. That's fair. You've got a master of boxing, and you've got a guy that 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 has a that's got great natural ability, but there are levels to the game of boxing and what you seen was a guy that was the 1% of the 1% of the 1% last night going up against the guy who did not have his best night. And Spence has not been the same since his car crash, but regardless of who stepped in that ring last night, Crawford was winning that fight. Without a doubt. I mean, I, I feel like somebody told Spence, if, if you let this go the distance, you're losing a decision. And his first round was super aggressive. And, it, it was good. That's the only round that he would have gotten any credit for. Um, 
but he stayed so aggressive and never made an adjustment to Crawford. And you could see Crawford making adjustments in the middle of every round. Yeah, that's that's the beautiful thing about Crawford's game is is number one, he's he's the best switch hitter in the game, can throw orthodox or southpaw, and and everything he throws is just is, is straight to the point. Which you've seen Spence start to loop a lot of his shots out there, especially his hooks and his uppercuts. And Crawford was just catching and throwing right down the middle and. Man, it looked like someone took a hammer to Spence's face. Yeah. Um, it's just like... In in reference to like the comparison with McGregor and Floyd, like there was a couple of times early on where I wasn't... I wasn't concerned, right? But you know in boxing and in UFC, every time you get in the ring... Somebody has a puncher's chance. And there was a couple of times. Shit happens. Yeah, there was a few times just like the McGregor-Floyd fight where Spence kind of had him trapped in a corner or up against the ropes. But a lot like McGregor, didn't Mm. know how to capitalize when in complete control. Like, Bud goes into defense mode, Floyd goes into defense mode, and the other fighter just looks so confused. Yep. And when no they go into that mode, on. good luck because there, there's so many levels above you as it is already that you yeah. just you, it, you can't keep up. You don't have a shot. No, it was it. I mean, like it was almost sad to watch just because of how one sided it was. This this match has been you know built up for us for years mm-hmm. of them trying to them calling each other out, but nobody ever really. Sign in the paper. Yep. And to just see it be a complete obliteration of the other guy that's been preventing you from being undisputed. Mm-hmm. It was sad that people were trying to hold on to that. I, I'm so convinced that everybody in Spence's camp knew this was going to happen. I'm I'm strongly convinced. It's hard to think that they didn't know something similar like this was going to happen. It makes me also uh, a fight that's happened somewhat recently makes me think of Fury and Wilder too, when Wilder just got throttled for however many rounds that went, and it was just you know Deontay Wilder's a hell of a hell of a power puncher, but when you've got a boxer in there like Tyson Fury is. Mm-hmm. the science is what it is like you can't cheat angles you can't cheat the game and and Crawford definitely didn't and and Spence was uh on the other end of it unfortunately for him honestly I'm surprised that his his corner didn't throw yep. in the towel like that last Crawford fight yep I was there wondering was if they would he he could they came out the doctor was in there in like round four or five checking yep, out checking it. out his uh I believe yeah, and that was before the other eyes started getting tagged. I mean, at the end of the fight, he couldn't see out both those out those eyes. You you can't convince me. I'm glad the referee stopped it when he did. I kind of wish, like for for Spence's health, you're you're obviously oh, glad of course. the ref steps in. But as a boxing fan and a Bud fan, and for as long as this has gone, I kind of wish he would have waited another ten seconds to see how bad it would have gotten. Yeah, I you know I really respect what what Bud has has done, and uh, I, I think it was was a couple of fights ago. I said that he was not the pound for pound number one guy in the world, just because he had beaten a lot of guys. Uh, his knockout streak is what it is, but he had he didn't have a ton of names. Now he's got the names on his resume. I mean, like I said last night, the the number one pound for pound fighter in the world resides in Omaha, Nebraska. Uh, that that's beating uh NUA as well. Uh, I've got him top three, but Crawford is just at a different level right now. And it, it was, it was impressive to watch. Uh, I hope Spence can bounce back because hell of a boxer, but I just, I don't know if he's got it anymore. That's what I told my brother last night. He looks like he lost something with that car accident years ago. Yeah. He... I mean, they, they, he was in a Ferrari that flipped about eight times, and he got thrown yeah. from a fucking Ferrari for what it is. Yeah. No, absolutely. And Crawford, I mean, let's say they both go in there 100%, right? They're both in, in like, four years ago when they're in their super, super prime. They're not 34 and 35. They're 30 and 31. 
I still think Crawford does the same thing to him because he's always been so technical and he's always so fast. Like his speed advantage has never gone away, even with age. Mm-hmm. And that's the craziest part. Yeah, his ability to counterpunch guys is, is is second to none. And he's a southpaw, which makes it even more difficult because I think it's like 10% of uh, boxers are southpaw. So having a guy that's throwing a completely different stance at you than you're used to, it's difficult to adjust to. Yeah, and then, and you know, we've seen it multiple times where in the middle of a fight, Crawford will switch back to orthodox yep. or start orthodox and switch out the southpaw, whatever it is. Like, have you been going anywhere from three to five rounds with a guy giving you one look and he's been pummeling you and then he switches up on you in the middle of the fight? No matter, I don't care, no matter how much you prepare for both stances against him. When he makes that move in the middle of, of a boxing match that he's been pummeling you in, it's got to be the <laughs> biggest de- mental defeat in the world. I can tell you what it sounds like mentally. It sounds like, ah, oh, fuck. That is literally yeah. all that goes through your head because you know it's about to get worse. Yeah. Did you catch the Poirier fight last night? I did. I, I was a, I was lucky enough to be able to bounce back and forth between all the fights that were going on. And... Um, I, I did miss the, uh, Pajeda and Blakovich co-main event. So I caught that this morning. Um, but yeah, I caught the yeah. Poirier Gaethje fight and, uh, I was talking text with my brother last night. I said, I just don't see Gaethje being able to do it. He catches him with the same exact head kick that, uh, Edwards beat Usman with identical. And I said, well, mm-hmm. shit, I, I was wrong. I guess, I guess you, you can learn something when you hit your thirties. Well, and here's the thing that was driving me crazy. So I was sitting at at the bar watching it on my phone. Oh, I hate, can't stand it. I got to do that shit at home. No, I know. I just, I didn't want to pay for both fights. That's understandable. Um, so I'm watching it and Gaith G the entire time was going for high leg kicks. Like, oh yeah. That's, it was very obvious that that was his only plan of attack. And Poirier never really adjusted and he just, Gave him the one opening and cost me a good chunk of money on a parlay. I mean, I'm going to be honest. That was a picture-perfect head kick, the way he set it up and the connection he made. Uh, I jumped off my couch last night. <laughs> yeah, It was me and, me and the dog. We were just chilling. Wife went to bed. I jumped off the couch when that happened because I was like, there's no fucking way. I just watched that. But it was, it no, was incredible was... to watch. I was in the middle of celebrating. I mean, I had two different parlays going um, with Crawford and and Nelson, and then I just needed Poirier. And Oof. I was like, Poirier will at least win, so it'll cover. I needed Poirier to win, and then in another one, I needed to win via submission, which I knew was a long shot. But Ooh, I was like, he'll yeah. at least win, and I'll, I'll win one of them. And I'm... I'm well, right with Poirier's streak too. Poirier's been on a heater. Yeah, so I'm I'm in the middle of riding a high for like 15, 20 minutes after this Crawford fight, and then what? Twelve seconds into round two, head kick <laughs> done. Just in, just like I said, insanity on that head kick too. It was yeah. It was it was it was pretty. Now that's two. To, I, I I guess it's hard to say that was a championship fight because it was for the BMF belt, but like that was one of the funnest first two rounds i've seen in a while just that those are the kind of guys that you want going in there and, and yeah. throwing uh poria and gaichi just two of the most violent guys in, in the ufc and mma so fun to watch for sure for sure well we talked about fun stuff you want to talk about some not fun stuff for some certain coaches this upcoming season uh aka the hot seat talk yeah let's do it all right so i got a few of them on here uh, I went some Big Ten, some national, but I started with the Big Ten. Uh, we'll do on a scale on a one to ten scale. You know, obviously one is nothing. Ten is you're going Scott Frosted tomorrow. So mm-hmm. we're going to start off with uh, Tom Allen here from Indiana. So I'm going to paint you a little picture here, Drake. In 2019, he went eight and five. He had, I would say, three pretty big wins that season over Nebraska, Purdue, and Maryland. Um, the, I, I would say that's for Indiana big wins. 
in 2020, he was the Big Ten Coach of the Year, which is insane, and I completely forgot he did that. Um, ended up going 6-2. and two. They got as high as 12th in the country in the AP poll. Now, that's the positive things that have happened in Tom Allen's tenure. But since 2020, they've gone 6-18 and 18 overall, 2-16 and 16 in conference play, with an overall record of 30-40, and 17-35 and 35 in conference play. Now, when he had his team rolling for those two years, they had Kalen DeBoer as the head coach or as the OC, who's the head coach of Washington. Michael Penix Jr. as well, Washington's uh, quarterback um, when he was at uh, Indiana. So I personally do have Tom Allen on the hottest seat with a 10. Uh, what, what, what about you, Drake? What, what, what do you think about Allen? I got to give Allen like a seven. Okay. Just because I think the athletic department at Indiana knows what their football program is. The mm-hmm. fans might not, but the athletic department does. Um, that was going to be my question to you is, is this a, a um, does that, that this heat of the seat reflect the job uh, where it's, expectations aren't high so Mm -hmm. the heat on the seat is is not very high either yeah and and that's that's where i'm at with it right wrong or indifference that's uh that's how i feel about it yeah i I said i just went a little bit hotter with with a 10 just because it it seems like it's been constant um underachieving the last two seasons and i think they went oh and nine in the conference or oh and nine in conference play one season so not great for him um let's go to another big 10 one in midnight Mel Tucker at Michigan State so oh I I have him at nine you got him I, at I, don't, nine? I, I don't even need you to go through it I think with some of the stuff that's been going on around the program I think fans are not very happy with it um I think there is what was I trying to say um they want to they want to move on from him, um, be the, as fast as possible for failure because they are paying him way too much money, mm-hmm. and I think they know that at this point they they realize they made some uh, some mistakes. So well, and so the wild thing was, you know, he went eleven and two, and it was mainly off off Kenneth Walker Jr. You know, when he went to the league. Do you think? How much are they regretting that ten that ten year contract right now? I mean, that's that's probably one of the worst decisions in the last few years, isn't it? Because um, I think it's fully guaranteed. Yeah, I I would agree with that. I just i th- I think Michigan State saw the way that they thought things were going, and they wanted to lock him up long term. Um, both because they thought he was going to continue to succeed. Um, the other part is uh, several coaches who had been winning coaches at their program at that time started getting some pretty heavy, long deals. Um, and then, you know, that's obviously also the same season that there's talk of Lincoln Riley bailing out on Oklahoma and, and another wave of coaching changes. And Michigan State wanted to give Mel Tucker zero season, zero reasons to walk out the door um and now they're just regretting it i i legitimately believe that they are looking for a way to get out of this contract as soon as possible and not pay him that full amount so do you think there's any way that this season it gets bad enough that they pull the trigger and end up getting rid of him and eat that contract no i i don't just because i think Michigan State's not stupid with their money, especially after going through um, the Dr. Nasser fiasco and all that stuff. Um, so they're going to look for a way to get to offload him and that contract one way or another. Um, you know, would be interesting. I don't think this is a possibility. This is me living in, in fantasy land now. But what if. Um, schools could trade coaches like you can in like the NBA. Remember when the, 
the Celtics traded Doc Rivers over to the Clippers. Yeah. I mean, then you're li- then you're looking at lo- opening up actual trading amongst colleges. But it'd be interesting to see if they could find a way to get him out of that contract and put the money elsewhere. Yeah, because yeah, when you put it like that, I I, I just feel like it was an overreaction to to the LSU you know job opening up. And if they could find a, a a guy there, and see, I don't, I don't think Mel Tucker's nearly on the hot seat. I think he's at about a four or five, honestly. Um, I just do feel like it's it's a giant waste of, of funds, but the market dictates. Okay. I guess it was a su- supply and demand at the time. Yeah, and, and I put nine. I I said nine. I should have added that. My nine is predictive for the end of the season. Mm. Okay, that makes because sense. I expect them to have a bad year. So I was going to say you're expecting another down season. Do you think that because with them being at a nine, they they lost their starting quarterback Patrick Thorne to Auburn, I believe, and then Dion Coleman transferred to Florida State. Do you, can they develop that quarterback who is going into the season with twenty, I believe, career passes? Can they get that quarterback to where he needs to be to get them to bowl eligibility? I think so. I mean, I don't – it's not like they're barren and they don't have talent. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can you can win six games as a Big Ten team and get to a bowl game without an elite quarterback. I mean, Iowa's done it for decades. Um, they've done it without good quarterbacks. So That's true. I don't think – I'm not as worried about their quarterback position in terms of getting them into – eligibility for me it's what's that defense and what's the line play going to look like because that's where his biggest problems were last year yeah that they they seem to be lacking in in the most important areas and it it just does seem kind of like a weird culture things going on out there at michigan state as well where they can't quite seem to figure out what what they they want to do yeah what they want to do or who they are and i feel like Uh, the Wolverines have figured that out. They know exactly what they want to be. They want to be the boys at the Big Ten. It just feels like Michigan State doesn't know exactly which, where they where they fit in at or what they are. Yeah, one hundred percent. It'll be it'll be interesting to see how Tucker does this season because I do think a lot rides on this season. I still feel like he's he's safe for one more year minimum. But if he bottoms out hard enough this year, I could see the the heat getting turned up quite a bit. Uh, this next one. This was one of my big moves last year, uh, Cristobal uh, down at Miami. So he's another one signed a 10-year, $80 million deal. Is Do Tucker, um, Cristobal, um, and who's the other one that signed a giant deal? There was someone else. But do those guys, uh, um, and Fisher, excuse me, are those guys in their own separate category with these with these contracts now, these gigantic fully guaranteed deals yeah i think it makes it a lot harder to fire you okay you're Um, a little bit more untouchable to some degree yeah now what i will say about cristobal and miami versus the other two Mm -hmm. is i really feel like the cristobal deal at miami is their athletic department finally saying all right hold on we're gonna go get who we think is truly the best coach available. And then we are going to give him the long runway for success. Um, I think his deal's a little bit different um, than a guy like Mel Tucker, where they're like, oh, we're doing everything we can to hold on to you. Um, when in reality, I think Miami was saying, hey, come here, we're going to give you the runway. Yeah, and I think that's the big thing because they've had coaches that have been moderately successful, Diaz and and, and Golden and Rick. They've you know they had years there. Uh, they haven't bounced back to the championship seasons that that they had previously in the two thousands, mm-hmm. which is tough to do because a lot of schools uh, lose that that formula of, of of what it was that was winning. But even at there it was it was strong offensive line play and you had dynamic athletes flying all over the field with a good attacking defense yeah miami kind of lost that for a couple seasons there 
but I feel like Cristobal is the kind of guy that understands the culture and will bring it back being a, a former Miami guy. Yeah. You know, they took a step back because they had two winning seasons under Diaz. They go five and seven last season. But the reason that they went five and seven is because they couldn't not turn the ball over. It almost seemed like that was part of their offense was we're going to turn the ball over when it counts. Yeah. Unfortunately, um, we've seen that at Nebraska too. Yeah, for sure. If I had to pick what I what I expect to see from Cristobal, I think the best – let me rephrase it. What Cristobal is going to try and build at Miami, I, I would say it's going to look a lot like Larry Coker's run. Um, I think that him as a head coach is going to be a little have a little more fire than Larry, uh, but I also think he's going to have he's young enough to understand that he can't give his players the freedom off the field that a guy like Coker did and everybody before Coker during that amazing run that they've had. Um, they're going to be better disciplined off the field. They'll probably be a little more disciplined on the field. You're not going to have guys like Kellen Winslow Jr. saying he's trying to murder somebody on the field or whatever. <laughs> that dude was fucking wild, and now he's in prison for like 40 years. Yeah. Uh, oof. I don't Just, even want to get into that case. That's a bad yeah, case. Yeah, that's – yeah. Um, but, like, he, he wants to get that swagger back. He wants the true Miami swagger. He wants to be a very aggressive defense and just be loaded with te- – you know, freaky skill guys on offense, like Willis McGahee types. Yep. And I think Chris Ball's like the, one of the very few guys in college football today that can build that. Yeah. The, it, I, it does feel like uh, um, he was brought there to bring him back to championship level football and not just, Hey, we're, we're happy to be eight and four every season. No, it feels like Miami made that power move to steal Oregon's coach to bring him back home to get them back mm-hmm. to, winning championships and I, I do feel like Cristobal can do it uh he's got the chops on the recruiting tra- trail and and they're going to get the offensive lines fixed the offensive and defensive line fixed down there uh, they already are going to have a top defensive line in the country uh mm-hmm. it this could be the year Miami bounces back to, to start winning double digit you know games yeah for sure um let and, me throw an honorable mention at you okay who you got Let's see if it's Steve Sarkeesian. Ooh, ooh, okay. That wasn't who I was thinking of. I was thinking of Let, the other team that plays in the uh, Red River rivalry. Venables. Brent Venables was another one I was thinking about too, but I just feel like Sarkeesian is at the point where if he loses to Kansas again, <sighs> if, if he doesn't make the Big 12 championship game again, because they're still in the Big good. 12 this year, right? Are they yep, still this, in the Big 12 this year? This will be the last season, then next year it's yeah. uh, SEC, I believe. Yeah, if he doesn't get the Big 12 championship. I mean, there, there's so many like lofty goals that he has to hit. But let me throw this at you. What if halfway through the year or at the end of the year, Archie or Quinn mm-hmm. decide that they don't want to be a part of that program anymore and they hit the portal? Well, and that and that's the big thing because I believe Quinn Ewers is going to be the starting quarterback, and then Manning's plan right now is to redshirt. But what if, like you're saying, camp gets a little bit closer than it should be, and it's a one A one B, not a one and two? What happens with that quarterback room? Because if you have yeah. Manning transfer out, that's a huge loss for your future because that's what you're banking on for your future. Ewers is, well, is a and- hell of a now guy. Yeah, and sorry, Texas, y'all aren't the brightest football fans. Um, Losing quarterbacks happens everywhere in America. Why do you expect to be the one program that can hold on to Two multiple the top, top end guys. Yeah, I believe like, they, they would both be the number one quarterbacks in the country it, in their class. It's not like they're the other guys in that room aren't good either. Like no, no, it's a it's Texas. You know, as much as I yeah. fucking hate Texas, they recruit top level players. Their their quarterback room looks today a lot like what Georgia's is going to look like in two. Oh, years. absolutely, yeah that that room that they've got with who they have coming in. I mean, it's it's a very talented room now, but what they have coming in with those guys in the next two classes is fucking crazy. 
And I, but I'm like the fan base is not looking at themselves saying, yeah, we're probably going to lose three out of our five quarterbacks this year to the transfer portal. Um, obviously, we have more guys coming. If they see three top 25 quarterbacks hitting mm-hmm. the portal, no matter what, they're, they're fucking freaking out, dude. They're like, oh, Steve Sarkeesian has bad culture, not recognizing that this is how the game is played today. Yeah, the game is completely different than what it was. So since you brought up Sarkeesian, that's actually a good point. I would probably put Sarkeesian. Oh, I would probably put him at maybe a six because I think he's underachieved quite a bit with the talent that he's got down there and what he was brought in to do. I feel like he's underachieved quite a bit. Yeah, I have him at a six. If they win less than nine games this year, I think it goes up to a nine. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like he's he'll be given one chance. So if he bottoms out this year, I feel like he's given one chance, and it'll be to hit that nuclear button to really get rid of all the coaches he wants to because you got one final shot. And if you don't do it on that final shot, you're gone. But I feel like he's got this season. If he if he does anything under probably eight, it, it jumps up to a ten for me. Then you hit the nuclear button, and that's all you get. Um, yeah. And then at that point, I think if he, if he loses the job at Texas, I don't know if Sarkeesian gets another um, Power Five job as a head coach. Maybe OC, but not head coach. I see. I think he's still young enough. I think he still gets a shot. He will go be an OC for a while, and then somebody will take a shot on him. I, I guess He'll when you put it like to the that, Nick Saban uh, School of Coaching. Yeah, who's the coach at uh, Old uh, not Old Miss um, Auburn is uh, Freeze. Hugh yeah. Freeze. I mean, we seen what Hugh Freeze did. Uh, I guess he got fired and the scandals he was involved in. But if you're a good enough coach, they'll find a way to get you in. Yeah, and so some of the stuff that that Hugh has gone through during his time at Liberty, you know, things that people are accusing him of saying and being insensitive of all that stuff, like. Dude had to give up his social media accounts to the university when he signed with Auburn. Like, it's not a great sign. <laughs> no, they they will. They, if you can win football games as a head coach at various levels, I guess you can get away with a lot of shit. Yeah, but you know, you you know, the guy that you had on the list, I think Brent Venables is on there for me too. Like. I think he's I think he's a lot closer to getting to the eight nine range than he is at a zero. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. I I because they went six and seven last season. I think they've got a great recruiting class and they've got a shit ton of talent on that roster. If they do that again this season during the year last year was very impressive too. Oh, absolutely. And and you could tell anyone that thought there was gonna be a smooth transition going from Lincoln Riley to Brent Venables with all that they lost in, in the quarterback room the wide receiver room and some other rooms if you thought that was gonna be a smooth transition for a first year head coach you're out of your fucking mind well then especially you know they hired Brent Venables to come in and get this program ready for the SEC yes and what does that mean you have to totally rebuild your de- he probably neglected the offense to an extent last offseason and preseason, just solely focused on we got to build a defensive identity right now and probably neglected that offense a little bit. And it showed late middle of the season. I don't expect that to be the case this year. I expect them to be very good. But if they are not very good, he's on the hot seat. Yeah, I would love to see, and this is just because I have a, a ton of respect for Oklahoma as a program. I'd love to see them get back to ten win seasons again. Um, just because I want, I like to see, I like cheering for one good program wearing red at least. So, be good to see them getting back there. But yeah, they 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 very well could shit the bed again, and if they do, so the heat's going to get up mighty hot on that seat in uh, Norman. I enjoy rooting for Oklahoma for for several reasons. I thought Baker Mayfield was super fun to watch in college, especially when he, you know, threw the flag in the horseshoe. Um, you can get some hate for that one. Oh, dude, that, that was so funny to watch. <laughs> what was even more funny was the amount of money I won on that bet. Um, yeah, 
But this is a big one for me. This is a very big one for me. They wear Jordan gear. They have cool alternates, and they stayed loyal to the traditional uniforms. And Trev, if you are listening to me, this is my plea. Kill the Adidas deal. Sign with Jordan. Finish modernizing this program. I second all of those things. And get us some helmets with some script instead of just the block end. Give me Huskers and script on the side. Give it, give us something. Switch it up a little bit, at least at this point. Yeah, and a matte red helmet. Maybe some gray uniforms here and there. You know, bring me on as a consultant, Trev. We'll we'll figure out some stuff. We got we got some time. Just call us down the link, and we can get this shit figured out. Yeah. Oh man, well Drake, I I got nothing. That was that was a fun one tonight. You got anything else, my man? No, I'm good, brother. Cool. Well, next time we do a show, which is next week. I think it's. Uh, I think we're going to be live, uh, doing the live show next week. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, you know what, dude? I had some bad news. What's that? Remember how we had talked about letting letting fans draft my fantasy team? Yeah. I got to find a new league if we're going to do that. That league just draft is offline this year. I forgot. Ah oh, shit. Well, we can figure that out because we still got some technical shit to figure out with that. But we can figure that out. That's I mean, you can go draft my team for me. I'm not going to be in town. I'm going to be coming back from Minnesota, so you can go draft it for me. I mean, I guess I could do that and just see what kind of chaos <laughs> we can do. I wonder how many kickers you're going to end up with. <laughs> Probably all of them. Do you know? I'm not going to give away all my trade secrets. But there are a couple of positions in fantasy football where if you just draft nothing but that during your draft, you're going to come away with some steals on the trade market afterwards. I actually know that for a fact. I did that last year and got pretty fucking lucky. I Yeah, uh, last year in, in two leagues, they started putting in a – after the draft, they put in a maximum amount of players you can carry it every position because of me. (laughs) You know, you're doing the right things when they have to make rules because of you, Drake. Look, don't hit the play. I hit the game. Hey, some of us are in it to win it, buddy. Yeah. Very obviously me. (laughs) When I hold all the wide receivers (laughs) ransom and I need a quarterback. Oh, you do a turn and burn, huh? Okay. I got you. You're giving, you're giving me the quarterback. I want when you don't have a receiver. (laughs) Hey, I appreciate a good game of ransom like that myself. So good on you, Drake. I'm I'm, I'm proud of you. <laughs> well, let's end up cutting this bad boy. Uh, thanks for joining us, everybody, tonight. Uh, Drake, appreciate you, my man. And uh, we'll talk to everybody next week. We'll see you later. Have a good one. See you, buddy.